Okay. Yes, carrying on from last week with Jesus and the woman at the well. Verse 27. Just then his disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Wonderful. It's such a joyous passage. Um, it's such gold for us uh, to uh, look at together. Um, let's pray and ask God to help us understand it. We know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Our gracious God, we ask as we sit under your word now, as we um, study it together, that we will truly know that you are saviour and Lord, that you are saviour of the world. Well, please teach us, give us listening ears and obedient hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I noted in the uh, early days of the COVID pandemic that the farmers were getting nervous about the fruit pickers. Uh, with all the new restrictions, the normal groups from Europe couldn't come across and help pick our fruit, meaning there'll be less fruit for the consumers. And it was a real job, apparently, to persuade people to see this crisis in the making and therefore do something about it. Uh, nothing was happening and people were panicking. Uh, we need to get this harvest sorted. 
Well, in our amazing reading, uh, it's all about a harvest that's ready to be reaped. But it's the harvest of souls, of, of lives rescued, saved for God to worship him. And alongside it is a serious lack of understanding among Jesus's followers uh, about the urgency of this harvest task. Uh, they need to open their eyes and see what's in front of them, the reality of what's at stake. And it's possible that we do as well. Exciting things are happening. Do you remember Jesus had, and his friends, he, they had not taken the traditional route around Samaria. Uh, because it's such a wretched and unclean nation, according to Israel. Um, instead, they've gone through the quicker way, through Samaria. And for the disciples, it me this means keeping your head down, getting out of there as soon as possible. But for Jesus, it means opportunity. And as chapter four unfolds, uh, it all seems his plan. Verse four, he's tired and hungry. He's thirsty. He stops at this well. And verse eight, the disciples go off and get lunch in town. And at the well, he falls into a conversation with this woman of Samaria um, and offers her living water, water that will satisfy her forever. And that was so encouraging, wasn't it? A woman we learn who's at the bottom of the heap, a questionable past, an outcast from the town, we assume. She, this woman, is approached by Jesus. This woman is offered living water, true life as one of God's worshippers. It's a beautiful encouragement for you and I. The door to the God's kingdom is wide open to everyone, even in this Samaritan town. So in verse 27, when the disciples return from their shopping trip, uh, the woman takes this opportunity to dash into town and declare to her neighbours, come and see. Come and see the man that I think is Christ. He's the Messiah. Back in chapter four, four, back in verse 14, Jesus had said to her, the water I give will become this spring of water overflowing. And just like Jeanette's cups, uh, the water is beginning to flow out of her already into the lives of others. Verse 30, they come dashing out of the town to see Jesus, the source of the water, the source of this living water. But the disciples, they're in a different place, aren't they? They seem to have more pressing things on their agenda, namely lunch. In verse 31, they want Jesus to eat something. Rabbi, eat. And Jesus uses their focus on food to teach them where their true focus should be. Not because food is unimportant, but because their priorities need changing. As they were digging around in their shopping bags and imploring Jesus to eat, Jesus had been spending time with the spiritually hungry, and now people were flooding out of the town. So Jesus needs to focus them. He needs some teaching to get them thinking rightly. And the first lesson his followers need to learn is that Jesus was sent to do the Father's harvest work of salvation. Jesus was sent to do the Father's harvest work of salvation. Uh, verse 6, do you remember? He's arrived in, at Sychar at the well. He's tired. He's hungry. The disciples go into town to get food. He must be thirsty too. He asks for a drink. And very quickly, this is an opportunity to invite her to have this living water. Forever life with God, worshipping him. 
And the disciples return amazed at who Jesus is talking to. Get rid of her. Eat, Rabbi. And Jesus says, verse 32, no need. I've had my meal. And the disciples, like the woman earlier, take him literally. Uh, she thought he literally wanted water and um, said that he didn't have a bucket and things like that. They take him literally and think someone's brought him some food. No, says Jesus, my food, verse 34, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. In other words, well, I was feeling hungry, but what gives me the greatest satisfaction, what fills me with joy, is to obey the Father and do his work. And this work I've been doing. And we know what the work is, don't we? We know that in the Bible it's all about this work, how the world has turned away from the Lord, God, um, and uh, away from his good plans for us. And, but Jesus, as he taught Nicodemus, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And this is the climax of this salvation work. The Father's work is to bring the whole world back to himself. Remember, he is seeking true worshippers. And so Jesus does not avoid Samaria, this despised nation of Israel. But because it's part of the world that God loves, he goes in there and he seeks worshippers. He goes to reap a harvest. He may have arrived hungry and thirsty, but, but now he's been full up. Harvest work nourishes, it satisfies, which suggests that when we don't do it ourselves, we are malnourished, unsatisfied. Well, Jesus has been able to fulfill the Father's will, and that means harvest work, obeying the Father. So Jesus was sent to do the Father's work, the harvest work of salvation. Therefore, secondly, in Jesus, the harvest time is now. Verse 35, the harvest time is now. As we've been reading all through John's gospel, and as the woman learns in verse 26, himself as the I am, the divine name. He is the Messiah. And as Mike was teaching us last week, she's finally found her true husband. Uh, Jesus is him. He's the one that she needs to bring her life to. The harvest is ready. In Jesus, it's arrived. And verse 35, he seems to quote her famous saying at the time, it's still four months until harvest. Showing the traditional crop uh, rotation stuff, the, the cycle of harvest, planting, nurturing, and then harvesting or reaping. And so there's a waiting time before the harvest, and the farmer can sit back and, and bide his time and so on. But when it comes to the Lord's harvest, says Jesus, there's to be no hanging around. There's no time to sit back. And the disciples are perhaps doing that. They've been distracted. They think they have all the time in the world as they root around for their sandwiches and their pasta salads. But Jesus says, no, he points them in the direction from where they've come. Look around you, and not at the crops, but at the people as they're coming out of the town. Verse 30, they've heard the woman's testimony and they want to find out more. Look up, says Jesus. See this, the harvest is ready. Open your eyes, look at the fields. The harvest time is now. And remember, they've just been into town, haven't they, to get their lunch. 
and presumably they've avoided the inhabitants at all costs. Maybe they feel this work is for another day or another people. Maybe they don't feel ready yet or they need more experience or knowledge. They keep their heads down, whatever the reason. And Jesus says, no, look up, it's harvest time. Maybe Samaritans were not on their list as people who needed to hear about Jesus, which begs the question, who's missing from your list? Are there people we discount from talking about Jesus with? Maybe because we feel they've got too hard a heart, uh, they don't believe in God, they're really against God. Maybe they've come from another faith, um, Muslims or Hindus or so on. And in fact, many leaders in our churches uh, frown on the idea of sharing our faith in Jesus with other faith. But God so loved the world. This good news of forgiveness in Jesus is for everyone. In Jesus, the harvest is now. So the disciples need waking up, verse 34. But the woman, she needs no second invitation, does she? Verse 29, she's declaring it to anyone who will listen. Come, see a man who has told me everything about my, me. It's a wonderful testimony. And she wants them to taste what she has tasted. Remember, the town has probably treated her as an outcast. Well, that's all put aside. She goes back into the town and tells them about the, the living water that she's been drinking. Hungry to tell them about Jesus. In Jesus, the harvest is now. Verse 36, even now the one who reaps draws a wage. Now, says Jesus, harvesters, reapers are drawing a wage. They're being employed. God's harvest is not this traditional cycle of four months and then the harvest. It's now. And verse 36, um, they're reaping and sowing together. That's how much harvest there is, working alongside each other, being glad together. So much work so much to do. This is not a hanging around in the shed drinking a cup of tea harvest. This is out in the field reaping the crops for eternal life. That's the harvest and there is great joy in this harvest. True food, you remember Jesus? It satisfied him. So get your head out of your picnic baskets, uh, look around, look at Banbury, Brett Hill, and get to work, says Jesus. There is a crop for eternal life. Jesus has come. Don't wait four months. It's harvest time now. Which leads me to my final point. If Jesus was sent to do the Father's harvest work of salvation, in Jesus, harvest time is now. And thirdly, Jesus sends his followers to reap the harvest. He sends us to finish the work that Jesus has begun. Did you notice that in verse 38? I sent you to reap. Elsewhere, Jesus prays for harvest workers. He commissions his followers to go and make disciples. Those he reaped are sent out again to be reapers. Now, that's what the Samaritan woman is doing, isn't it? Uh, she's been sent out. And no sooner has the penny dropped, uh, she's out there harvesting. She's dropped her jar, she's left it behind and uh, she's um, spreading the joy. Um, just like those cups that Jeanette had, the water is now spilling out of her and splashing on other people. And that's a wonderful picture of, of what God is sending us to do. 
to just overflow and splash out on others. Um, verse 39, they believe in Jesus because of her testimony. And then verse 41, as they encounter Jesus themselves, they hear his words and their belief is cemented. She makes sharing the joy of knowing Jesus. Uh, well, she makes it look fairly normal and natural, doesn't she? She simply brought people to Jesus. And I say simply because this other agricultural saying that Jesus uses here in verse 37 and 38 um, suggests that actually this harvest work is easy. Do you know that? It's easy. Verse 37, thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. So both are necessary. I send you to reap, verse 38, what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have reaped the benefits of their labor. It's a bit like sitting at Sunday lunch uh, at the vicarage. Um, Katie does all the hard work usually, and I just come in and reap the benefits. I, I tuck in and eat. And it's the same for the harvest. Other people have gone before. In this context, um, it's the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist, perhaps, he's been to this region. But because of their work, because of God's work among his people, the harvest is now ready. Jesus has arrived. The kingdom has come. It's time to get busy. All the digging and preparing is done. So how about it? In our Bible reading, Jesus is teaching the disciples and us um, that we are to be reapers. Um, in verse 27, the disciples seem appalled at Jesus' methods. And perhaps it's true that we've become a bit set in our ways, failing, feeling that there's only certain ways of doing things. Uh, perhaps we restrict the sorts of people that God wants to reach. I was reading uh, Joshua 2 yesterday morning and how the Lord rescues Rahab, um, who's a prostitute. She's in the Lord and she ends up um, being an integral part of Jesus's family tree. Um, she's part of God's salvation plan. And every sort of person should be on our radar when it comes to the harvest. Also, the people, uh, the disciples need to change their priorities, don't they? Maybe we do. I don't know what's in your diary most weeks, but for them, it was this. Um, their list was get lunch, don't talk to any Samaritans, and get out of town as soon as possible. Well, my priorities look often quite similar. Uh, get lunch, serve my comforts, don't speak to anyone, keep my head down, and get home or to church where it's safe. Well, Jesus says, no, the harvest time is now. And his example is different. It's a stark contrast, in fact. Uh, get lunch. Uh, no, he's not interested in lunch. He's got his sort of food, and that's telling others. Don't talk to Samaritans. No, verse 41, Jesus tells them the word. Get out of town as soon as possible. No, verse 41 again. He sticks around for two days and teaches them. So we must look up more and look at the opportunities around us. Jesus sends his followers to reap the harvest. People are ready to hear what we have to say. Did you know that? The harvest is ready. They're ready to hear what we have to say. Imagine, as people encountered Jesus, they were on the fringes rubbing shoulders with eternity. The Samaritan woman rubbed shoulders she believed and became indestructible. She became an eternal servant of the Lord God. And we have the gospel in our pockets 
it's kryptonite. It's, uh, it's just so powerful. That's what Romans 1 says. It's the power of the gospel to save anyone. We, we've got a giant common harvester in our pockets, in the gospel. And being harvesters, um, so people and friends, whoever, encounter you and encounter me, they're rubbing shoulders with eternity. But being harvesters doesn't necessarily mean giving them a smart gospel presentation, the three-step guide to coming to Jesus. See what the Samaritan woman does. It's such an encouragement. She goes into town, just simply tells them what God has done in her life. Verse 29, come, see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. It's quite simple, isn't it? It's a shaky testimony. It was incomplete. She's still asking questions, but it's genuine. People react to genuine people, genuine testimony. She's encountered God. She's been transformed, and it's obvious, and it's, and it's compelling. Friends, that is our testimony. We simply share with people what God has done in our lives. And then we say with her, come and see. Come and see. When people dismiss us or say nice platitudes like, I wish I had your faith. Well, come and see. Invite them to investigate. Christianity isn't a blind leap of faith. It's a come and see. Come and come to church with me next week. Sign up to Christianity Explore course. In fact, there is one starting in September, we hope. Let me read the Bible with you. Come and see. Come to my grow group. Come and see. Look at verse 30. The people of Sychar were, were willing to do that. Verse 41, they're willing to sit down, investigate, taking time to listen to Jesus and his words for two whole days. And then verse 42, we no longer believe in just because of your testimony. We have heard the words of Jesus and we believe them that this is the saviour of the world. So it's about testimony and it's about invitation. Really simple stuff. And God using people like Samaritan women, people like you uh, to do that. The harvest is ready. Jesus sends his followers to reap the harvest. I mean, there is a chance that we're thinking, well, it's not quite the right time at the moment. I, I'll wait until I'm more experienced or more mature in the faith. Mm, well, the Samaritan woman was about five minutes old as a Christian. <laughs> and off she went. She was used by the Lord. Perhaps we might wait until we've got settled somewhere else or we have all our ducks lined up. We have good intentions, but we hold back in sharing that kryptonite, the best news ever inviting those around us to come and see what Jesus says to us says to you no look up when will there be a better time to tell people about Jesus well in the distance look there in the town uh, there are lives going on without God eternity is in the balance the disciples wanted to leave town well, Jesus wants to save it. Well, we, as his followers, gloriously have been reaped. He's reaped us. We are his. And now he sends us to carry on his work. It's a privilege in verse 36, because it's a harvest for eternal life. What a privilege.
He hasn't given it to a legion of angels. He hasn't just magicked it. He sent us to tell it. And it doesn't need to be a painful thing either. Verse 36, again, the sower and reaper rejoice together. It's a joyous activity. No one we meet is beyond God's love. As these Samaritans testify, Jesus is the saviour of the world. Well, he was sent to be the Father's work salvation. Uh, in Jesus, harvest time is now. And Jesus sends his followers. We pray as we sit. Our loving Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you so much that you've given us such a saviour as Jesus. He is saviour of the world. Our longing desire is that all people hear of Christ. Thank you for how gently he dealt with the Samaritan woman and how gently he deals with each one of us, bringing us to a saving knowledge, deepening our joy in you. Father, we praise you and may we follow your son. Uh, note the urgency that the harvest is ready. And Lord, may we be willing to be sent into the field uh, to testify to what you're doing in our lives and to invite people to see Jesus, to find out more for themselves. And Father, for anyone among us today who are struggling uh, with these truths, who, who've not yet made that step, Lord, please open their eyes to see the Saviour of the world and use us uh, to encourage them. Father, all these prayers we ask in Jesus' name and to his glory. Amen.